Uh, let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for this day. Thank you to these guys. Always good to hang out and laugh a little bit and just be men. Uh, so, Father, as we jump into your word, I just want to pray that, um, that we would see from Scripture uh, and the teachings of your son, really what it means uh, to be uh, a man that is uh, a true follower of Christ, a fully devoted follower of Christ, and, and the impact that has not only on our own hearts and our own lives, but the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, let me look. Uh, we're going to start reading as we pick it up. Uh, Mark chapter 6, we're going to read verse 6 and 7. Then we're going to jump down and uh, read verse 30 to 42. Which is, a, which is a passage that's pretty familiar to us. And then I want to give you today really um, six ideas, six uh, lessons, because we're going to start off looking at the apostles as disciples, uh, and then we're going to see some things, and I, I hopefully we'll, we'll glean from Mark chapter 6 in this passage, really six lessons of what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. My hope is, if you're taking notes, that uh, you will at least, in taking notes, write down or put them in your smartphone, smart device, all six characteristics of a, of, a, of a man who truly follows Christ. Now, at the same time, my guess is, when we look at these six characteristics, you might say, okay, I do that one, I do that one, I don't do that one. Very well. I don't do that. I do that one, and I don't do that. I really want you to just kind of take stock. And uh, at no point in here do I want this to be uh, a condemnation. I I want this to be an encouragement to if there's one or two that you say, you know what, that's just not me right now. I'm going to invite you just to step back and say, what is it going to be? What do I need to do? How do I need to change what I say, how I live, how I act uh, amongst uh, uh, my neighbors, amongst those people I connect with, amongst those people that I work with, uh, to be more like uh, what Christ would want me to be? And so let me just begin to read in uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Then we're going to jump down to verse 30. It says, uh, Then Jesus went around, teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out. Okay? Now, a lot... A lot happens between verse uh, 7 and verse 30, but they go out, they begin to teach, they begin to minister, they begin to heal, they begin to do a lot of things for Christ. Then you come back uh, in verse 30, and it says, the apostles then gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught, all right? So if you want to read everything that they had done, you can go read verse 8 to 29. And they basically begin to tell Jesus, uh, here's what we've been doing. Man, this happened here, and this happened here. And if you listen to some of the reports uh, from the disciples, there were times that somebody opened the door for them, and God blessed. There were other times people slammed the door uh, on their face, and uh, in their face, and Jesus said, hey, just shake the dust off and move on. There are always going to be some people uh, that are receptive to the gospel. There are going to be other people that reject the gospel. Uh, don't hang around and just hammer the people that reject it. Just be Christ in their life, move on to someone else who wants to accept Christ. So they begin to talk to Jesus about everything they've done. So back in verse 30, uh, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported all that they had done and taught. Then because of so many people were coming uh, and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them. Come with me yourselves to a quiet place so we can get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. Now, notice what it says. It says that they recognized them. 
okay? They didn't just recognize Jesus. Sure, they recognized Jesus, but who else did they recognize? They recognized the apostles. Why did they recognize the apostles from the towns around? Remember what happened in verse 6 and 7. Jesus sent them out into the towns. So the apostles had gone out and made an impact in the community, so much so that when people began to gather around the lake or they began to see them, and they began to see them journeying across, across the lake to a solitary place, a quiet place, people began to say, that dude just was over at my house healing my son. Uh, uh, in our modern day, it might be doing something, helping me out or helping my neighbor move or doing something good in the name of Christ. So they begin to, and then someone else would say, and I think that's Jesus. You know, and I heard that, that he, he made a lame man walk and a blind man see. So what happened is on the shore, people begin to gather around. They begin to follow him across in the boat. And so notice what it says. Uh, so they went off by themselves to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a huge crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By, the, by this time, it was late in the evening, so the disciples said to him, This is a remote place, Lord. Say to them that it is late Send the people away, they tell Jesus, that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Look at verse 37. But Jesus answered them and said what? You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, let me just stop you right there. You know, that, that's part of what we need to understand is God is blessing us as a church and us as a people um, that, that guess what? That's going to necessarily mean that you stick from time to time 80 people in a room and the air conditioner can't keep up. Let's hope that was the problem and it's not the fact that the new air conditioner we bought can't keep up. Uh, I also had someone tell me, you know what? It was promotion Sunday, the children's line on Sunday morning for them to pick up. We have safe security drop-off, safe, secure pickup, that the children's line after the 930 service was all the way down the hallway and almost to the stairs, okay? Well, guess what? That put a very, so some people saw it as well. And so you're sitting here going, man, that's a hard thing. That's a frustrating thing because some people are still trying to get to life group classes that are over here can be a frustrating thing. Man, the reality of it is when God blesses you, sometimes our natural inclination is to send the people away. And I want you to know, just like Jesus said to his disciples 2,000 years ago, Jesus says it to us, give them something to eat. The reality of it is when we all of a sudden get too many bodies in a room that is too hot, it's not an opportunity to send the people away or complain about it. Celebrate it. Because I'll tell you what, Pete, you can just look around. You can look three or four classes down, even in a church like this, and someone's got four in there that used to have 40. They would love to have 40 back. So don't ever get in the habit of sending the people away. You never know what's going to stop. So I believe that when we come and think, you know, man, that children's space, what did that tell us? To me, that was when I heard the report of someone kind of came up going, that line was all the way down the road. Of course, guess what? All their kids are now youth and above. If, if in this environment they had a first grader, you think they would have wanted us to do what we did when my kids were growing up and Justin's kids were growing up? And when they hit first grade, when life group was over, we just sent them down the stairs and they were running through the halls. Does that go today? No. All right. Listen, let me tell you what. 
If you walk by that on Sunday morning, smile at those people, encourage those people. They're bringing their kids to church, and a lot of them Sunday were visitors. Don't say send them away. Stop and talk to those people and encourage those people and say, you know what, it's just a different culture. Moms want to securely drop their kids off and pick them up. For me, the longer I can keep my kids away from me, the better. And if they were just somewhere near the church, I'm good. At the end of the day, when I finally got out and went out to our minivan, our old 03 minivan at the time, you know, you just told, looked at Gina. She can whistle. I'd say whistle, and the kids would just start running across the woods and stuff like that with chiggers all over them. We got in the car. But now it's a different day. So we don't ever want to be in the habit of saying, send the people away. Jesus tells us as a church, why do we build a chapel? We're giving the people something to eat. Why are we going to do next kids? Because we're giving the people something to eat. Why, are, why do we do fun with the sun in the middle of the rain? How many of you are out with fun with the sun? Man, Justin, do you have those numbers off the top of your head? They might not know them. Five hundred fifty-one people that we connected with, um, 50, 51, 53 salvations that were set down. And I, when we say salvations, it's not just talking to a bunch of people raising your hand. If you didn't see them, we set them in a circle like this, and someone shares the gospel individually with them. And some of you in here did that. Man, that's an awesome thing. And one of the conversations we had in senior staff. Because we tracked everyone. How many of them are not connected to a church? How many of them were Mormons? How many of them were Muslims? How many of them were Hindu? We know all of that about them. And we sat there and said, there's no church meeting in Vega Elementary. What if all of a sudden we just tried to invite all of those people in Cottonwood, sent some folks up there, and we did a worship on a Sunday morning in Vega Elementary? Just, just to give them, give them encouragement. Does that make sense? I mean, so let's don't ever get disappointed when God sends people our way, when people are hungry for the gospel. And so he says what? He says, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, uh, that would take more than half a year's wages. So now let me just stop you right there. What were they saying? It's expensive. It's expensive to do ministry. It's expensive. I'll just tell you as your pastor, I don't like to talk about money. I don't mind talking about vision. I don't mind talking about we're going to do fun with the sun. I don't mind talking about we're going to build a chapel. I, just as long as if they were free, it'd be a lot easier to talk about them. You know, if, 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 you know, if they were free. But he, what's he saying? He, he says, give them something to eat. Their immediate response was, whoa, that's going to cost some money. That's going to cost some money. And so he, he says, uh, that'd take a year's wages. Uh, are we going to go and spend that much uh, for bread and simply give it to them to eat? Look at verse 38. Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? Look and see what you have. Go and see. When they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people to sit down uh, in their groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups hundred, above hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up into heaven. He gave thanks. Now, we did the Lord's Supper on Sunday, and I referenced the fact that what did Jesus do in the, in the upper room right there on the Last Supper? After the meal, he took the bread, said, this is my body for you, and it says he gave thanks. He took the cup also after supper, saying, this, is my, uh, uh, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. I do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And he gave thanks. So here he is. He 
he takes the loaves and he takes the fish and he gives thanks. Then what happens? They divided it up. They gave it out, uh, broke it up. They passed it all up. And look at verse 42. They were all ate and were all, all satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten were 5,000. Now, the beauty of it is they lacked faith. Really what they wanted to do is send the people away. Jesus said, give them something to feed. They uh, Give them something uh, to eat yourself. They said, we don't have enough. And are we going to go out and spend all of our money to buy them something to eat? Because we don't even know these people uh, or most of these people. And he goes, no, what do you already have? Look and see whatever, whatever you already have. Whatever we have, I'll tell you, when it comes to doing something around here as a church, what everything we, already, everything we will ever need as a church, we already have. I'm just telling you. Everything we need, we have. We have enough to finish playing for the chapel. We have enough to finish paying for the ministry. We have enough uh, to finish uh, the new kit. We already have it. We just have to take stock of it. We have to be willing to be gracious with it. So they pass it out. So I want to give you six ideas, six characteristics, and hopefully you'll just write these down. And when I share these, they're going to come straight out of this story. Six characteristics of what it truly means to be a man who follows Christ. Because the focus is on these 12 men. Here's, here's characteristic number one. True followers of Christ will be mission-oriented. They will be mission-oriented. How did it start in verse 6 and 7? He called them together. He sent them out. That we need to see when we come to worship, when we end up in life group on Sunday morning, that is just like the football team calling the play. They call the play in the huddle. But you don't practice. You might practice a huddle once or twice, right? But what do you do ultimately? You practice the play. Your job is to go do this. Your job is to go do this. You're, you're, you're slow and you're big and you're fat, but you're really strong. You're a left tackle or you're a right tackle or you're a guard. Or you're, you're fast. You've got great hands. You're going to be a receiver. You're going to be this. You're going to be a running back. Man, what do they do? They get in the huddle. They call the play. They go to the play. They're on a mission. And so we need to understand, guys, that, that just like the disciples were called to Jesus in verse 6 and 7 and sent out into the villages, when we break the huddle this morning, you actually, at that point, this is not the play. I want you to know, this is not the play. The Great Commission is about to happen at about 7 o'clock when we begin to roll out, or, 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 or Michael when he leaves me at 6.50. Um, so he, he always jumps off sides. Uh, but the reality of it is, uh, we need to understand that, that this is not the play. Everybody say, this is not the play. All right, we're calling the play right now. Here in a few seconds, we're going to go, hut, hut, all right? And we're going to go on two, and we're going to leave, all right? And some of y'all are going to say those two words I encourage you to say earlier, and we're going to go, go, right? And some of y'all have already forgot. Just uh, listen, all right? So we have to be mission-oriented. We are calling the play right now. We are getting challenged to go out. That means when I get up, I go down, I put, whether I'm in a three-point stance or whether I'm a slot or wherever I am, man, what, is, what are the first thing we do? We're looking around. We're listening. Football, right? 
Even the offensive linemen, they get down three-point stance, what are they doing? They're looking left, they're looking right, they're hearing what the, you know, whoever it's the center or the right guard, whoever's calling out the line blocking scheme for the thing, they're, they're figuring out what they're going to do. They're looking around, all right, this guy's shifting. Now, that's what we want to do. We want to break out of here and be mission-oriented, and that's exactly what we see. Here's number two. You ready? Just look at it, and you just write this down. True followers of Christ that are going to make an impact will still be Christ-centered. Will still be Christ-centered. You say, where do you see that? Look at verse 30. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and all that they had taught. Now, when they went out into the villages, their ministry did not become about them. Does that make sense? When we leave, our ministry is not about us. It's not about me. It's always about Jesus. Everything we want to do is about drawing people to Christ. Take Fun with the Sun, for example. Fun with the Sun, that was the smallest. We hadn't had one that small probably since year one because it rained. It did all of that stuff. It was a new place. It was a new space. It was a new location. It worked out great. We, we honestly kind of feel like God kept the crowd small for us this first year so we could figure out a new place that it's going to be really big next year when we're prepared for it. But it probably hadn't been that small. But, but the reality of it is, man, we could sit here, and we see people do this all the time. We could toot our horns. We've been doing this for 21 years. We've been passing out back, backpacks. It was last year we were on our 20, 20th, and, um, uh, 20th year of doing that, and we typically do between 14 and 1,800 backpacks a year. We saw someone who was doing it like for their first year, giving out like 10 backpacks and they made news eight. And I looked at Gina and I was a little bitter. Uh, I was a little bitter. I was like, we've never had news eight. And she reminded me, she said, it's because you don't call news eight. And it's true. Because guess what? We're not doing it for us. We're doing it for Christ. At the end of the day, if, if, if nothing against eight or 11 or five or four, you want to know what we're about? We're about being Christ in their lives. We're about taking loaves and fishes, giving it to kids, and them sitting in a circle and hearing the gospel. And guess what? If the news came out and showed that, there might be someone that said, you were sitting in an elementary school and in a park giving out book supplies and sharing the gospel we don't think the city ought to give you your permit to do that next year. So maybe that's why we don't call the news. Now, I can't tell you I'm smart enough that that was the reason we haven't called the news. <laughs> but maybe that's the reason we haven't. That's not what we're about. What are we about? We are Christ-centered. We're about bringing people to Christ. We're not about pumping cottonwood and being excited. Let me tell you what, God's doing some neat things at cottonwood. But at the end of the day, we are always pointing people back to Christ. Let me ask you a question. That's the second one. Do you consistently point people to Christ? Here's number three. You ready? We see it right here in this passage. True followers of Christ and men of Christ that are going to make an impact attract others to their faith. They attract others to their faith. There is an attractional idea. Um, there are a lot of people that say, oh, well, you know, this people does a lot of attractions. These people do concerts. These people do this. You know, we're always trying to throw someone under the bus. Well, we're not looking for a big crowd. We're not going to do it. Let me ask you a question. It, it seems to me there were 5,000 people here. Why were there 5,000 people there? 
Well, first of all, those apostles and those disciples had gone off into those towns and villages and done some pretty attractional things, right? They had healed, they had fed, they had cared for. Jesus, how many of you remember from reading the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Jesus did some pretty, pretty attractional things. You say like what? Uh, made a lame man walk. How many of you think that would gather a crowd? Uh, made a blind man see who was blind from birth. Go look at John chapter 6. How many of you think that would draw a crowd? Uh, he walked on water. How many of you think that would draw a crowd? All right. There are a lot of things that Jesus did to draw a crowd. And so we need to understand that we're not looking to draw a crowd to us. We're looking to point them to Christ. But there ought to be some things about who I am that I attract people to the gospel. That, that, that people say, you know what, I kind of want to be around that guy. I want to hang out with that guy. I wouldn't mind going to church with that guy. And so let me ask you a question, and, and I will just tell you, they're, they're, we don't ever want to be a church filled with, about, filled with a bunch of grumps for the gospel. That, that man, we have just, we're grumpy and we're complaining and we're griping. Uh, and guess what? No one wants to be around those people except for who? Other grumps, Right? Man, I love this. So you say, man, we attract people to their faith. Look at verse 30. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported him all that they had said and done. Now look at verse 31. Uh, then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, uh, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place, go across. Look at verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a sol solitary place, but many who saw them, everybody say them, they were not just looking at Jesus. Some of them may, may have never laid eyes on Jesus, but what had they just seen? The apostle that was knocking on their door. Does that make sense? The apostle that was helping them out. So we want to make sure that we live our lives in such a public way that people constantly look around and say, man, that, that was awesome. Look at what Carrie did. You know, look at what Dan did. Look what Bob did. Look at what the brothers Doug did. Uh, that's these two guys, by the way. Where's your other brother Doug? Uh, and, you know, does that make sense? So people look at us and say, I don't know where he's going on Sunday morning, but I wouldn't mind ending up there. I wouldn't mind ending up there. And so do you, honestly ask yourself, do you attract people to your faith to your church, to others. If not, ask yourself why. And if it's because you're a gospel grump, I want you to know that was not part of the Great Commission. That you would go out as a grumpy disciple and make other grumpy disciples. In fact, I can see a lot of verses that speak directly against that. So here's number four. Are you ready if you're grading yourself? True followers of Christ that make an impact for the kingdom, uh, see what Jesus sees. They see what Jesus sees. When you journey through your life, when you journey through today, are you willing to see what Jesus sees? Are you willing to hear what Jesus hears? Are you willing to build a relationship with someone new like Jesus would want you to build a relationship with somebody new? Are you willing to do all that stuff? If, if not, then we need to. 
If you really want to make an impact for Christ, we have to begin to see what Jesus sees. You say, where do you see that? Look at it in verse 34 to 36. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, what did he do? Circle that word saw. He saw the large crowd. And what did he do? He then had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them in many things. He said they were like sheep without a shepherd. When Keith reported back, Keith is our missions minister, when Keith reported to our senior staff uh, yesterday morning, well, they really had started, started earlier than that with the text message among the senior staff about what God had done at uh, Fun with the Sun and, and the num- sheer number of people that came through there that had no church affiliation. That's what spawned the conversation of could we go do in Vega a, a, a Sunday morning service, just send some of our lay people out there, draw as many of them in there, just love on them. Why? Because the heart of your senior staff and the heart of your church was those are not people who are not not worthy of the gospel. Those are people who are simply at this point sheep without a shepherd. Is that you understand what I'm saying? And when we look at someone who doesn't go to church, let's don't look down our noses at them. Man, a lot of times we can become so judgmental. We can, we can forget who we are. We can forget that but for the grace of God, there go I. We can forget our past sins and our, our past mistakes. Or sometimes we can forget the things that we did in the past that the only difference between me and someone else is we didn't get caught. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And we can forget that. We can get surrounded by a bunch of people who we've got our life right together and our marriage is right and, and, and we forget the rocky patches and we all begin to talk about how good things are and financially and we're blessed and we're this and we're that. And guess what? And we can begin to look down on those people that were just like we were, sheep without a shepherd. And so my prayer is if we are truly going to have an impact as Christ-following men, that when you journey in your circle, if someone speaks in an off-color way. And some of you are in industries that my guess is that speech is a little better and a little classier. Uh, other people, you, you, it might be a, a little more bane, a little more uh, just, just straightforward. My guess is there are people that you, you have people around you that, boy, they don't go to church. They're sheep without a shepherd, but they're pretty moral. My guess is there are other people that you, you have friends around you that are, boy, from the world's perspective, or at least from a Christian, pretty immoral. Instead of looking down on them, look at them as a sheep without a shepherd. They were still created in the image of God. Jesus still suffered and bled and died for them. The offer of salvation is there for them. All they need is a shepherd. And the question is, will you be that person that leads them to Jesus? Because it's all Christ-centered, it's all Christ-focused. But it starts by us seeing what Jesus saw. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them. And so when we break the huddle here in a little bit and you journey past everyone, maybe this doesn't apply on 75 or on the roads, but when you get out of your car and you begin to talk to people, see what Jesus sees in someone else's life. Here's number five, you ready? Men who truly follow Christ and want to make an ultimate impact on other people are willing to give what they have. Are willing to give what they have. And some of you guys, you have some talents, you have some skills, you have some abilities, you have some talents. You have, you have a lot of those things. Notice what it says in Mark chapter 6, verse 37. He says, what, what, what was their first response is, 
and you'll send the people away. But notice what Jesus said. But he answered and said, you give them something to eat. What was their immediate response to protect what they had? That would take more than a half year's wages. Are we going to go out and spend that much money on bread just to give it to them to eat? Now, it's one thing for us to read through this, but how many of you understand what they're saying? There's probably some heavy sarcasm in there. We don't know these people, right? Uh, it's kind of on them that they showed up without food. As a matter of fact, if you would just do what we tell you to do and send them away, we wouldn't have to feed them. But now what you're asking is that we would take a half year's wages, go buy food for these folks we don't even know, don't have a relationship with, feed them then you, while you teach them, and then we're going to send them away. Now notice Jesus, he, he doesn't really answer that question, but he responds with another one. He says, guys... Before you go off with this hyperbole of you spending a half, half year's wages, he, he's probably looking at them. He says, I'm looking at most of you. You can barely make a day's wages. Notice what Jesus does and how he responds. He says, just tell me what you got. Okay? Let's don't go grand scheme. Let's don't feed the world. All right? Just tell me what you have. And guess what? It turned out to not be that much. But... But notice what it says. It says, how much do you have? And then notice Jesus says, um, go and see. Check it out. Check it out. This Sunday, we're going to have a ministry fair in, in, in our atrium um, where you can sign up to, to serve or to be a part. You can connect with a life group, a life group at home. Uh, you can connect with somebody that someone else will serve you. Hopefully, if you go in that, in that life group, you'll begin to serve somebody else. You can serve in the children's ministry, youth ministry. Uh, we've got divorce care, grief share. We've got all kinds of things. All of it's going that's going to be the ministry fair, okay? Guess why we do a ministry fair? Because we have tons and tons of needs coming our way. A quick answer for us as a staff, we're tapped out, we're worn out, we're exhausted. But guess what we do when we do ministry fairs? We are looking into the hearts and the lives of the people in our congregation to see what we have. And guess what? In a, in a real sense, we are looking for five loaves and two fish. All right? So now, that doesn't let you off the hook. If you see seven people lined up, you can say, loaf, 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 fish, fish. We're good. All right? No, we're looking for people who are simply, remember, the boy just simply came. We're looking for people who are willing to simply give their five loaves and two fish. And you say, that's not enough to feed the crowd until you give it to Jesus. Does that make sense? until we all pitch in our five loaves and our two fish, it's not much to do. So there it is. Here, here's, here's the next one. You ready? They give what they have. Here's number six. And it's in verse 39. True followers of Christ are going to make an impact. Here's the beauty of it. They're the ones that ultimately get to see the miracle. They're the ones that ultimately get to see the miracle. I'm going to read this story, but you ever sit around and think about Judas? He's not in here, by the way. 
Judas saw everything that Jesus did. He had seen the miracle. He was here when Jesus fed the 5,000. Judas even betrayed Jesus for a few silver pieces. But Judas never saw the final miracle. Never saw the resurrection. He missed out on the best part because he didn't see the miracle. The reality of it is, guys, that we need to be out there making sure that we are present with Christ for every miracle possible. Now, a lot of times we think of uh, miracles are being big things, but sometimes miracles are little things. Sometimes miracles are little things that you get to have an impact on somebody's lives. Guys, those who stay close to Jesus always get the opportunity to see the miracle. Just look, picking it up in verse 39, says, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on green grass. So they sat down in groups, hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up into heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples as they had distributed them to the people. He also divided the two fishes among them all. Now listen, guys, here's the point. We are the disciples. You've been given the bread of life this morning. What's our job? Not to hoard it. When we leave here, go give it away. Go give it away. Find someone in your life to give it away to today. Who's going to come across your path? Who are you not going to know that you need to give it away? See, that Jesus didn't, didn't bless it, divide it up, and said, all right, guys, here's a half a loaf for you and a half a loaf for you and a quarter of a loaf for you, and you're going to get an eighth of a fish, and you're going to get an eighth of a fish, and y'all guard that eighth of a fish. What did he do? He said, go divide it up and give it away. So, guys, not only are we going to divide up, we're going to divide up what God has given us. We're going to go give it away. What's the best thing we can give away? A quality conversation, an encouraging word, an invitation to hear the gospel. And that's how you truly have an impact for Christ. And here's the beauty of it. Notice the outcome. It says he sat down. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up into heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave it to the disciples to go out and distribute to the people. Wasn't given, God didn't bless us so that we could hoard everything he's given us. He also divided up the two fishes among them all. Look at verse 32, 42. It says, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had been fed outnumbered 5,000. So what happened? When they took what little they had been given, they turned around and gave it away. They ended up collecting more than they had to begin with. How many of you understand what I'm saying? If you are willing to give it away and not hoard it, you will always have more than you need. That's the beauty of being a true follower of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity just, um, just to talk to these guys uh, today about what it truly means uh, to be a true follower of Christ, an apostle, a disciple who follows Christ in a real way. God, the reality of it is, even as a pastor and every guy in this room, none of us are perfect in all of these areas, but I pray that if there's one or two that jumped out at us, 
that we would work and practice that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. You all have a great day. Hell yeah.